Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 21st. In today's news, the serial bomber who sent those packages in Austin died this morning. President Trump's advisors told him not to congratulate Vladimir Putin on his reelection. He did it anyway. And Trump loses on a key decision in a defamation lawsuit against him. But first, the big idea. The Illinois primary results show angry bases in both parties demanding more ideological purity. The Republican governor of Illinois, Bruce Rauner, held off a primary challenge on Tuesday from a largely unknown state representative on his right by just three points. A seven-term Democratic congressman from the Chicago suburbs, Dan Lipinski, beat a first-time candidate challenging him from his left by less than two points about 1,500 votes. The powerful chairman of the Cook County Democratic Party went down. Bobby Kennedy's son lost in the Democratic gubernatorial primary, and a slate of candidates endorsed by Bernie Sanders won. The second primary night of the year in the country's fifth most populous state showcased just how angry the electorate remains in this age of disruption. The political establishments on both sides face increasingly restive bases that are demanding more fealty to orthodoxy, from abortion to immigration. The old machines are crumbling. Dynasties are ending. Parties are sorting themselves out to become both more ideological and more tribal. Rauner's close call was reminiscent of what happened in Virginia last June when Ed Gillespie, the former chairman of the Republican National Committee, only beat firebrand Corey Stewart in the GOP primary by one percentage point, despite a massive fundraising advantage and overwhelming institutional support. The unexpected vulnerability there foreshadowed Gillespie's struggle to unite the right in the fall. The same is true in Illinois. Just like in Virginia, turnout spiked among Democrats but was low on the Republican side. In fact, about twice as many Democrats voted as Republicans in Illinois. It's yet another proof point of an enthusiasm gap that continues to benefit the left as the midterms approach. Rauner lost support from the religious right by expanding access to abortion for Medicaid recipients last September, and he angered the nativists who are ascendant in the GOP by signing a bill that prohibits cops from detaining people they suspect of being undocumented immigrants without a warrant. Rauner was unable to reach a deal with Democrats who control huge majorities in the state legislature. So Illinois didn't have a budget for two years, and its credit rating was downgraded to near junk status. Just as national Republicans use Nancy Pelosi as a foil, Rauner has tried to blame all his problems on Democratic House Speaker Mike Madigan in Springfield. It hasn't worked. Polls show Rauner is about as popular in his state as Trump, who lost the land of Lincoln by 17 points in 2016. On the Democratic side, Dan Lipinski incensed the left by voting against Obamacare, then for a 20-week ban on abortion and religious freedom bills that many liberals see as giving license for discrimination against the LGBT community. His challenger, Marie Newman, was supported by groups like NARAL and Emily's List. Lipinski got pulled across the finish line by a major investment from the conservative group Susan B. Anthony's List. They focused on turning out 18,000 Democrats that they identified as pro-life. A Pew study published yesterday shows that the share of Democratic voters describing their political views as liberal has increased steadily since 2000. Right now, half 
of Democratic and Democratic-leaning registered voters described themselves as liberal. A decade ago, it was only 28%. Think about that. Twice as many Democrats today consider themselves liberal as a decade ago. Make no mistake, Lipinski's narrow win is not a vindication of his style of politics. It's a Pyrrhic victory that shows an era coming to an end. It's easy to see Lipinski retiring rather than face an even bigger onslaught from a stronger, better-funded challenger in 2020. Outside of ruby-red states like West Virginia or North Dakota, the blue dogs have become an endangered species. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the suspected serial bomber who terrorized Austin, Texas with a string of package bombs died this morning after detonating an explosive device in his vehicle as police closed in on the interstate. The news came after multiple bombs exploded in recent days around the state's capital. Police say the bomber showed increasing sophistication and skill over the last few weeks. He was able to change tactics with each new bomb, which is very unusual. The packages exploded at people's homes, on the side of the road using a tripwire by a high school, and yesterday at a FedEx facility. They killed two people, including a high school student, and injured four others. Number two. Trump called Russian President Vladimir Putin yesterday and congratulated him on his re-election to a fourth term, despite explicit warnings from his national security advisors not to do so. His advisors even included a section in his briefing materials that stated in all caps, quote, do not congratulate. The president also ignored talking points from his own aides instructing him to condemn Putin regarding the recent poisoning of a former Russian spy on British soil. Trump chose not to bring it up with Putin. Administration officials say it's not clear whether Trump even read the notes that were sitting in front of him as he was on the phone. His actions have prompted fresh criticism for his muted tone toward Putin amid his hard-line stance against special counsel Bob Mueller, who's investigating Russia's election interference and his own campaign's close links to the Kremlin. Number three. A New York judge has ruled that a defamation lawsuit against Trump may proceed. Summer Zervos, a former Apprentice contestant, filed the lawsuit last year after Trump publicly attacked her during the 2016 campaign and called her a liar for saying that he had made unwanted sexual contact. Trump tried to block the legal action, but the judge said that, quote, a sitting president is not immune from being sued in federal court for unofficial acts. Meanwhile, former Playboy model Karen McDougal has also filed a lawsuit to be released from a 2016 non-disclosure agreement requiring her silence on an affair she says she had with Trump. McDougal is suing the company that owns the National Enquirer. The tabloid paid her $150,000, and its chief executive is a friend of Trump. It's part of what's called catch and kill. They bought her story, then they never ran it. She says she didn't receive honest services from her lawyer. The nearly simultaneous developments added to the political and legal challenges for the president. He has faced weeks of reports about his alleged affair with another woman, porn star Stormy Daniels, and his attorney's efforts to buy her off and then bully her into silence. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, March 21st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 